0: David said, and it was one of my first scriptures from last week, bless the Lord. O my soul. It's, it's a command. David is commanding his soul to line up with his spirit. His soul doesn't want to, but let me tell you, the spirit takes precedent over the soul. I, in my spirit, I can make my soul move. I don't have to, but I can. It's like we were singing tonight, uh, I will set my eyes on you. And Tammy, after our, uh, after our dance recital that our kids were in this weekend, this is one of the songs that they danced to, was so impactful, she came out saying, I want to do that one. I said, great, let's work it up and let's, let's see if we can pull it off. Well, sure enough, it's the same word. I will. I will worship God. I will, turn, I will talk to my soul and demand that he line up with my spirit. I will set my eyes on you so I can set my heart on you. You know, the head directs where we're going. I'm going to walk where my eyes are looking. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And David David showed us this when he danced before the Lord with all his might. He didn't just say it. He did it. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. It's not going to be enough just to say it. Everything that's in me, line up. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. What's so important, and the reason I went into this, we're coming into this, is because we've just asked for the Lord to, to baptize us in his Holy Spirit. Now it's time to be spirit led. Amen. Come on now. Somebody get a little bit of Holy Ghost fire in you? Okay. <laughs> I will set my eyes on you. I can't hardly get off of that song. I almost, you know, I just, you know, as a congregation and as a worship team, it's new, but it agrees in my spirit. Does that make any sense? It's uncomfortable because nobody knows it. What's this song they're doing? Well, come on. I can't figure. But but your spirit is saying, yes, don't stop. Don't. That's it. A mighty, and well, I don't know if you notice the release in it is saying how great God is. We set our eyes on you so we can set our hearts on you. Now we're going to say it. You are this God. You are a refuge you are our fort, mighty fortress. You, your, your kingdom is unshakable. You are this. All of a sudden, we start agreeing with heaven and God moves. God desires to move. You remember from last week, the spirit of a man comes directly from God. And relates directly to God. Right? And if you remember, in the original creation, there was a descending relationship. God would move upon a man's spirit. His spirit moved upon his soul. The man's spirit moved upon his soul. And his soul directed his body. That's just what, we're, that's just what David did. It's just what we are doing. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then his soul responds. Do you see that? The spirit of God moves upon David. David tells his soul what to do, and then he responds. But through rebellion, through man's rebellion, our spirit was set aside and his soul took control over us, took control over him. And as a result, man is controlled by these three functions of the soul, the will, the intellect and the emotions. That's what kind of my definition of the soul is our will, our intellect, our emotions. Last week, we ended with this scripture right here. First Corinthians two fourteen, but the natural or soulish man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, but he who is spiritual judges all things yet. He himself is rightly judged by no one. Let's go back. The soul can't get spiritual things. It doesn't understand it. It's confused. We can see that the flesh is at war with the spirit. Because the flesh doesn't understand the spirit. It cannot receive the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. Nor can it even know it. Know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? The flesh cannot spiritually discern. Is it because I'm, 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 I'm reviewing or you're soaking it in or you've checked out on me. Okay. soak. okay. Good answer. I don't, I'll try to believe you. (laughs) I I believe it. I believe we, as we come into worship, that the Lord prepares our hearts to receive spiritual things. I, I think that's the reason why we need worship is to get our soul lined up with our spirit because if you don't you're not going to understand it it's going to land on the rocky soil and it's going to the birds are going to come and take it away before you can get out the door you've already said three cuss words and had all these horrible thoughts and ready to throw it all away now now we're down now we're down and dirty uh, Lyndall Cooley, when he started uh, leading worship, Lindell Cooley was the worship leader at, at, Brownsville revival. And when he first came, he decided I'm not doing any praise and work. I'm not doing any praise, no jumping and down. I'm done with all the hype, the energy, the, you kind of just blow smoking and mirrors. And Steve Hill, the evangelist that was there, that was actually preaching the, the message, um, on father's day, when the spirit of God came down, went to Lindell and said, Lindell, you can't do that. You've got to praise. You've got to praise. You've got to break through people. People, it, it, the, the praise is referred to plowing. Our hearts need plowing before we can really get to sowing. And praise kind of get you get you moving and get you stop thinking about your stuff and maybe actually getting a smile on your face for just a minute, clapping your hands. What you don't realize is clapping your hands is spiritual. All of a sudden, your spirit, your soul is lining up with your spirit. When your hands get up in the air, you are aligning your soul with your spirit. Even when you don't feel like it, sometimes you need to raise your hands when you don't feel like it. Because your soul is fighting you. But if we take away the worship, there's no way we're going to be ready to discern. Now we can, we have the spirit of God. I believe that we can, but the problem is we're human. And we've got a lot of baggage to work through before we can actually get to what God has to say to us. Or I do. I have to I have to get warmed up. God, God warms me up. I have to tell my soul it's time to line up. Because if I don't, my soul is going to win. Why? My soul doesn't understand the spiritual. It's all in the natural. It's wanting to do all these other things that don't, doesn't mean nothing. My spirit's fighting. But he who, who, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. The understanding of spiritual things, the soul, is dependent upon the spirit. If our soul is out of harmony with the spirit, the, the spiritual realm of truth is closed to it. It's so important that we approach God's word, that we approach the truth with the right attitude, with our souls submitted to our spirit and our spirit in union with God. We looked last week at the epistle, Jude, speaking uh, about people in the church who are grumblers and and complainers. Let's look real quick. Jude. Jude. Verse 16, there are grumblers, complainers, uh, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth, mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Verse 19, these are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit. When the soul of a Christian is not submitted to the spirit of God, he becomes a channel to which every carnal, demonic, divisive thing can come in. This is the underlying cause of division in the body of Christ. James three fifteen, in James three fifteen, the apostle speaks about a form of wisdom that does not descend from above, but that is earthly, sensual. Let's look at it. James chapter three verse fifteen. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. He depicts it a downward slide into three successive stages. Oh, it's, that's not it. Three, three stages. Earthly. Where'd that go? James 315. Earthly, sensual and demonic. When Christians become earthly, they lose the vision of eternity. We can't see beyond the things of this life that it becomes pleasure, success, wealth, physical health. You know, we can see even the corrupt that happens in church over money. Even in healing. Um, there has been some spooky, kooky things to happen in, uh, in church. Amen. I mean, we see it more predominantly on TV, but let me tell you what we see on TV is a product of what's happening in the church. Only interested in what their faith will do for them. Paul says this about people like that. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are all of men uh, that are the most most pitiable. Christians that that are in it for the prospering and for the success, God considers them pitiable. After the earthly, the next stage is the soulish. To be soulish is to be egocentric, self-centered. For such people, the Christian faith is a way to get what they want out of life. They suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Now, this isn't going to last long. I'm almost done. It says in first Timothy, chapter six, verse five, using wranglings of men and corrupt mind of destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. Have you ever been in a uh, maybe you haven't, but have you ever sat in a church service to where your spirit didn't agree? I think most of us are, ha, have been in this walk long enough that at least at some point, I, I would hope to think it hasn't happened here. But let me tell you, we are men, we are women, we are human, we are flesh and blood and can make mistakes. I have said things that I didn't mean to say. How important it is that when someone is up here talking and influencing you, that you are spiritually discerning. And that you don't buy into something that is wrong. We are not fools. We have the Spirit of God in us that we are able to test those things and hang on to that which is good. Now, I talk a lot about prosperity and about the Lord blessing you, but that is not my focus. My focus is the blesser, not the blessing. But God's a blesser. It is who He is. We don't have to ignore that He's a blesser. He is and He's told us what He is. But that's not why I do what I do. But it's a product of it. And I'm not ashamed of it. Bless me more. Bless me indeed that you would enlarge my territory. And that your hand would be with me in in my heart. And that you would keep me from evil. Do it. Over this church. Over this body. Over me. But that's not what we're in it for. And let me tell you, we're about to be—we're about to be looking at needing. We we're, we're need a lot of money, a lot, and all, it seems unsurmountable. But it's not. When you guys start to hear where God's brought us to now, and where we are now, let me tell you, nothing it's nothing to Him. And I want you to know, as as, as we start a, a program of, of giving, if you give, the Lord is going to bless you. It is a law. It's a law. He is going to bless you. And I want you to know when we get going on this, I'm telling you, blessing is on the way. Blessing is on the way and we're going to do it. So Lord, to help me to have the confidence to do it, because I my background, my my approach is I, I don't like asking. But that robs you of getting blessed. Help us, Lord. So, as we look at this, let me ask you this question. And people have asked this before. Can Christians be demon-possessed? Yeah. Of course. The words of James gives us a clear answer. The downward slide from the earthly to the soulish to the demonic exposes both the individual believer and also whole congregations to the activities of demons. In many places, um, the church is an ungodly mixture. No clear line between the spiritual and the soulish. But to protect ourselves, we've got to cultivate scriptural discernment. We've got to learn between what is truly spiritual and what is soulish. And you know what? There's only one instrument. There's only one thing sharp enough to show us the difference. Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirits and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It must sound like my regular old broken record, but you're going to get it again. You have got to be in The word. You are a sitting duck. If you're not. You can do everything right. You can you can you can be a doer. You can be out here doing all these deeds and have a good attitude. But let me tell you, without the word of God, you cannot discern between the soul and the spirit. You can't discern between demon and heaven. It'll tell you the soul can't do it. The word is the only thing that can distinguish between the soul and the spirit. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. Joints and marrow and is is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Further on in uh, chapter 5, verse 14. The writer of Hebrews states two conditions that we've got to fulfill to have this kind of discernment. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who who by reason of use or practice have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now catch this. The first condition is we must feed regularly on spiritual food. Through the study of the whole Bible. Second, we must regularly practice discernment. Who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Let me tell you, you need to be thinking about what your kids are watching on TV. And you need to be listening and hearing what they're saying out of their mouth and watching what they're watching. I'm reading this book called... uh, Bringing Up Boys by um, James Dobson. And the, the whole problem is the removal of the parents. The parents aren't around to raise their kids anymore. They've checked out. I mean, there's a lot in this book. I mean, it's really opening my eyes. It's not just about boys, but it's mainly about boys. But all I'm seeing is that Number one, I've got to be around. Number two, I've got to be discerning. And I've got to to have the guts to make decisions that may not always make people happy. It's not my job in raising my child to make him happy. It's my job to raise him. It's my job to raise him according to God and God's word. What may not seem fun and great at this point He can't see the result. My children can't see the fruit of righteous living. Let me tell you, growing up, I couldn't see it. I can remember to this day my parents not letting me go and spend the night with somebody. They had a houseboat, and I was going to get to go and stay on a houseboat with somebody and goof off, and they didn't let me go. Killed me. I can still to this day remember that day, and I couldn't understand it. What's wrong with my parents? my wife had a later curfew she's 3 years younger than me had a later curfew than me explain that and they weren't they weren't overly strict i mean i found my own ways of rebelling you know i didn't miss anything let me tell you i didn't they tried to hang on to me but i you can do everything right and still the the kids are their own people they're going to make their own decisions however what got planted in me they couldn't they necessarily couldn't see but it was there that's what i encourage people that have raised their children right but have parted it's okay pray for them that's in there pray that that comes out this thing in bible drills you can't see the value of what's going on back there every wednesday night but those seeds are being planted Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's great is they don't even know that that's what they're doing. Doesn't matter. The word of God will accomplish what it was set forth to do. And it's already in there. Can't be taken out. It's in there. What you guys are doing here and coming here and getting in the word and you know what? You're, you're 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 positioning yourself to handle the struggles that are coming at you. The hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. So we must regularly feed on spiritual food that is study, that is being, that is eat, feeding on God's word, on God's spirit. It is it is literally eating. I mean, it's drinking it in i could kind of feel that in worship tonight and i told tammy i said tammy it's okay it didn't go that song didn't go great no it didn't but you know what my spirit says yes we in the natural we as musicians we beat ourselves up either by the way we sound or by the way you respond and i told her i said that the results aren't my problem they're god's problem i'm not here to i'm not here to i can't i can't my blood, my blood's is just going to stain your clothes. It's going to make a mess. Jesus' blood is going to cleanse you, make you clean. Going to provide your healing. Going to make every provision for me, for you. So all we can do is give our best. Make sure our heart's right. And that's what I told her. I said our hearts were right. We were worshiping. Don't worry about it. Not my problem. First time doing it anyway. But my spirit still at this moment is saying, yes, I will set my heart on you. There's something about you speaking it. There's something about you speaking it out of your mouth. But secondly, we regularly practice discernment. We've got to continually alert, recognize the spiritual forces that we encounter in every situation. Discernment should be as much a part of our Christian life as prayer. Finally, I'll close with this scripture. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Stand up, be strong, and make the right decisions. And let the results be on God's hands, not yours. You line up with God and let him make a way for you. I want you to know that every single time that I have given up whatever I thought that I needed to give up because God was calling me to do it, he never had me come up short. Never. And I it, just in my life, I've had miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And so many times those didn't come until I completely died to myself. I think with this building program, I think it's going to be as Church on the Hill, a dying of ourself. I think... Uh, All the time, with what you're walking through right now, I I believe that if you will come to that moment of dying to yourself, what does that mean? Completely surrendering to what God's word says, what God's spirit says, and following that regardless of the consequence. Then, I believe the Lord's going to move in power. And as a deacon board, as leadership, as staff, we've got to come to that point of complete surrender. I think that we have, I'm not trying to say we haven't, but I want to completely surrender because everything in in my books tell me that there's no more stressful time for a pastor than a building program. I don't receive that. I I believe we're going to see miracle after miracle. And uh, this is just the start. I don't receive that at all. Say it again. Joyful time. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to do something different. It's not, not not majorly different. I'm just going to ask you all to stand up. All this is is just a step of our faith telling our, our soul to stand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you again to fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask you to move in us, Lord, and to change our patterns Of not always accepting what comes our way just because it's there and it's the easy thing to do. But to, Lord, start to discern, start to stop and to pray and to pray in the spirit. The things that we face with our children, with our church, with our marriage. Rescue the family, Lord. But, Lord, let us as just a small group that we have here tonight. Set our eyes on you in our marriage, in our relationships to our children, in our relationships to our parents, in our jobs, in our church, let us set our eyes on you and let us set our hearts on you. And Lord, I thank you that as we recklessly abandon our desires, Lord, you give us the desires of our heart. It, that, that is what you desire is to give us our desires. I just thank you, Lord, that if we will come at you with everything we have. Lord, you're going to make every way for us. I thank you for total provision over this building program, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you already have a way made that the, the goats already going up the mountain. If we will just go up and be ready to sacrifice ourselves. Be ready to give up our own will, give up our soul, our will, our intellect. Let us let us give our desire up and Lord, you give us the desires. Thank you, Lord. I thank you that I just thank you in advance for what you're about to do. Bless us, Lord. Bless those that are going to Nashville. We just pray for a miracle over Nashville and over this recovery effort. Lord, over Ethan Bibb and his family, Lord, we just plead the blood of Jesus over them. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to comfort them. So we've had families here with surgeries, with losses in their families, Lord, with tragedy. Lord, but let me also say we've had babies born this week. We've had miracles happen this week. Lord, we just just acknowledge that you are on the throne and that we don't understand everything. But that we will serve you. I thank you, Lord. I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on, that there will be an end to these troubles. But until that day comes, still I will praise you. Do you hear that? That's the souls, that's the spirit speaking to the soul. Still I will praise you. And it has nothing to do with my surroundings. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. Now just bless the rest of our week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week.